Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Very pleased to bring in John Sauber from the Center Daily Times. John, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for your time today. Yeah, happy happy to be on, and, and thanks for having me on, Steve. All right. Uh, I want to start with Live for Life. That's coming up tomorrow. Uh, when you've gone to that in the past, what are you looking for as as a reporter? I know the fans are looking for certain things, but what are you looking for? Yeah, it, it's a combination of things, right? You're, you're, it's kind of our first chance to see uh, sort of who has matured physically, right, at this point. You're, you can really get a chance to see some offensive linemen that have maybe bulked up or, or you know, uh, managed to sort of change their body and, and what it looks like. And you're, you're usually getting that chance for the first time in a while to see you know, who is taking that step physically uh, in that sort of maturity um, that, that comes with that. And the other thing is, you know, we're, we're talking to some guys, uh, talking to Parker Washington, scheduled to talk to Parker Washington, Landon Tangwall, uh, other guys. So you're sort of, you're looking to gauge where guys are at, get the sort of, uh, I, I hate to say it like this, but sort of like the vibe for the season, where the team feels, where they're at mentally, because it can be tough coming off the season like last season. And you kind of want to see how things have shifted heading into this year and sort of if the, the page has been turned mentally or if there's a sort of using that as motivation, using last year's motivation aspect to it. Do you feel this team has a chance to turn that page? I think so. Uh, I, I think it, it should be better than 7-6, and six, right? I, I think uh, from that standpoint they can turn the page. But I also think in some sense you, you want to harbor it a little bit and think about you know, what, what last year felt like for, for the guys that sort of really clung to that and didn't like that feeling and, you know, his motivation to get better and to make sure it doesn't happen again. You know, everyone's motivated in different ways. I think that, you know, the sort of uh, downturn the team took last season can be a motivator this year for, for guys. Uh, but, yeah, I think they can turn the page. I think they, they should be better than they were last year. Um, the, the record should indicate that anyways. But at the end of the day, this is this is a tough schedule. You know, this is going to be a grind, and it's going to be a grind early. So, uh, the page does have to be turned here quickly. You can use it as motivation in the off season, but once you get to West Lafayette on that Thursday in September, you have to be ready to go because things are starting fast for, for Penn State this year. It is an interesting mix on this team where they have, I believe, nine seniors or redshirt seniors total among the 85 scholarship players, just nine. But it's not an inexperienced team either. How do you view that? Yeah, I think it's interesting because uh, eligibility is tough now, right? Like it's tough to even tell what year certain guys are just because the COVID year is, you know, backed everyone up a little bit. Uh, and, and there are guys that we would never would thought be there for another year that are, you know, Sean Clifford being one of those guys, right? Like he's back for his sixth year uh, because of the COVID year. Uh, but I do think this is a veteran team at certain spots, right? Quarterback being the most obvious one, uh, the offensive line being another uh, and, and, and uh, you know, at center and at right tackle, uh, of course, getting guys like Hunter Norzad and Mitchell Tinsley offensively will help with that sort of veteran leadership, even if those guys haven't been at Penn State their entire careers and this is their first year there. Uh, but I do think it is an, a veteran team offensively at the, at the very top. But there is, there is reason to believe in the upside of the youth. And like you said, having those limited number of, of redshirt seniors allows you to look at guys who should be back for another year next year or, or could be back for another year next year, I should say. Uh, someone like Olu Fashanu, who should come in and contribute pretty quickly at left tackle after being on campus for a few years and backing up Rasheed Walker. And obviously he plays in the outback bowl and looks really good doing it. Mm -hmm. He's someone that could be, you know, he's relatively young, but 
you know, there's there's a chance for a massive step forward. So the, there are these young guys who are kind of ready to take that step that while they don't have the top end uh, veteran leadership at every position, they have a good mix of guys who've been at Penn State a while, right? Like they've been there two or three or four years that maybe aren't seniors yet because they've redshirted because of the COVID year, but have experience. So it may not be an old team, but I do think it is an experienced team more than you would usually look at given the sort of uh, the, the age and the, and the class of guys. John, it's uh, it'll be one year on Friday of name, image, and likeness. Now, we always hear about the mega deals or the transfer deals, but the vast majority of them are what what we would think they would be. How do you think it's working right now? Uh, I, I think it's it's been a mixed bag. Uh, I think especially in Pennsylvania, I think you know the legislation, the actual legislation getting out in front of it helped, but at some point it can be restrictive when you look at other states and. How it's, I don't want to call it a free-for-all, but there's more leeway in, in, in getting these deals and what guys can do with these deals. Uh, but I think, you know, like anything that is a, an abrupt change, it takes a while. Uh, I think Penn State has been, in, in some sense, a little bit behind, but it seems like they've been catching up of late. Like you you mentioned the, the mega deals we've seen with guys like Jaden Rashada at, at Miami and everything like that, that, you know, the, the numbers can get big for these guys at the, at the top of the roster and Ryan Day from Ohio State said that he needs at least $13 million to just to maintain his roster. And James Franklin said the number's bigger than what's been bandied about. And, of course, that's the number that's been bandied about. So it, it, it's going to take some time, I think, for people to adjust to that reality of it. And it's it's kind of to be expected that it took Penn State a little bit uh, to, to catch up. And I still think they're catching up in, in some standpoint with that. But uh, I think generally it's it's gone well, right? The the kids who, who have been able to make money have taken advantage of it, and there are kids that are even lower on, on rosters that are able to make some money. It may not be these mega deals, but it's, you know, like you said, it's what you've expected. Uh, there are guys getting smaller deals that are helping them out, that helps their families out, and I think at the end of the day, that's, that's for the better. And then against that backdrop, you have a day like tomorrow coming up where the players are going to spend their time giving back. How important is it, John, that we never forget that, that the vast majority of you guys feel this way and it's not about mega deals? Yeah, I, I think it is important, you know, that, uh, you know, even looking at something like what Sean Clifford is doing with Limitless, to yes. just, it's, it's obviously a very different kind of giving back, but he's trying to help the, the sort of next generation of player be in a position to do this. And, and frankly, it's easier for guys to, you know, give back financially when they have more of a financial windfall themselves. And tomorrow is a different standpoint, right? It's not the financial, their own financial giving back. It's a, you know, they're putting the effort into to raise money, uh, you know, with with lift for life and everything. But uh, I think it, you know, giving giving guys more opportunities to give back by them having more in the first place is a good thing. You know, it can it can further benefit the community when when someone like Sean Clifford is getting involved at that level and, and helping helping guys, you know, make more money that they're then they're able to give back to the things that they want to give back to. All right. Uh, the other part, of course, is the transfer portal. This is something, John, because you cover college basketball as well. College yeah. basketball has been like this for a long time, <laughs> where I've always referred to uh, April as the waiver wire. <laughs> I've, I've, I've said that for years. Uh, what is that? You know, what is that doing for the game? And do you think that you know, college basketball has never really settled down? I can't picture college football settling down either. Do you? No, I, I think this is sort of the the new reality of it. And I 
I think it is. Uh, it's definitely added some excitement to the off season. I think, right from from uh, whether you're covering the team or you're a fan of a team, there are more avenues to improve your roster when you look at it that way. Uh, you know, a team that has a hole like like Penn State had at wide receiver, losing Jahan Dawson, they can go out and get Mitchell Tinsley, and mm-hmm. you know that frankly wouldn't have been possible uh, beforehand. You know, he is. I believe he graduated, so with him specifically, he might have been able to, but it wouldn't have been as easy. You know, especially before, you know, the, the graduate transfer stipulation that was added before the portal became in vogue with, uh, you know, not having to sit out as long as you're your first transfer. So uh, I think it's it's generally a good thing. You know, I, I as someone who transferred colleges, right, and I wasn't an, a student athlete, like, I, I think kids should be able to go where they want to go to school, motivations aside. I think you're allowed to be motivated by what you want to be motivated by. But I think it's it's added some excitement to it. Like you said, college basketball has been this way forever. I think calling it the waiver wire is an excellent way to put it. Uh, we've been seeing this for a very long time. It's it's increased that waiver wire in, in college basketball for sure. We're seeing even more movement now. Uh, but with college football, I think we're going to continue to see this uh, – you know, this be a major part of the offseason and, and uh, coaching staffs will have to adapt. They'll have to sort of, as James Franklin put it, understand their roster, right? And keep keep track of it, know where their guys are at, know where, what they're feeling. And, you know, I, I think, again, that, that that's only going to be a good thing in the long run as, as guys have more options uh, and are able to sort of have more control of their own destiny and, and what they want to do with their college life. You're being humble, John. When you transferred, you were highly sought after. I appreciate it. Okay. Uh, So I'll get to basketball now. Uh, Penn State's going to do a reseat. They're going to take the student section and flip it behind the benches. Uh, With TV, with cameras pointed toward benches and, of course, the students back there, what can that do for perception of atmosphere in the building? I think that is enormous, right? I think this is, you know, we don't know who – and initiated these conversations or anything. But I think doing this is sort of long overdue, quite frankly, as someone who used to go to basketball games as a student. I remember, you know, wondering why the students weren't behind uh, the, the benches. That seems like the logical place to put them, having them, like you said, on TV in full view, uh, because it is a pretty good student section. It's filled for most games. And yes. I think uh, Penn State basketball fans and Penn State basketball fans that are students especially get a bad rap for you know, they don't show up or whatever, but that student section is generally pretty full. And, and putting that on camera is only going to help. It's only going to, to help with the atmosphere. Uh, it also injects some excitement, right, for students to be encouraged even more to go out now because, you know, it's fun to sit behind the bench. It's fun to, to, to have that view of things. And uh, I think it is, going to, it is going to make a big difference from an atmosphere standpoint. Uh, it'll, it'll engage the, the bench itself more it'll be there will be a more active uh you know crowd behind the bench and and getting those guys involved more and and cheering them on and you know and and just being involved in the game more and i think that's a good thing because the you know the arena hasn't always been the best for basketball but i think there are ways to get sort of the number of people uh in there to optimize it and have them laid out in a way that's optimized and i think this is an important first step to that yeah i've talked about this for 20 years john you know i've been around for a long time uh, but I've talked about it for for twenty years that I, you know because I know which way TV wants to shoot it, uh, and it uh, and anybody who's having their seat moved and is upset about it, your arguments are valid. So I do not yeah. want to discount anybody's feeling about that at all. Your arguments are valid. That's been your seat. I understand that. But long term for the program, this is my opinion, John. You can disagree or agree. 
But long term for the perception of the program, this is the best move to make. Absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, like you said, being upset that your seat is moved is being is valid. Like if you really enjoyed sitting behind the bench. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it is it is if you're buying those tickets, you're invested in the program. Right. You, you want to see the program succeed. And this will help the program succeed in ways that we probably haven't seen, you know, a potential sustainable success. And it may seem like a small thing, but those small things add up. Uh, and so I think if, like you said, you're, you're, it's perfectly reasonable to be upset if your seat is being moved. But I think if you really are invested in that way, then you'll be able to see sort of the force from the trees that this is what's best for the program in the long run. And it, getting those tickets is an investment in the program in some sense anyway. So I think at the end of the day, it will be beneficial for all parties. Uh, what everybody knows right now is uh, the Charleston tournament, which is a really good field, uh, at Clemson and Butler here. So at least that's the part that people do know to this point. Uh, what what can uh, a that non-conference schedule tell us about um, what kind of team they have going into the Big Ten? Will they be uh, think, will they be challenged enough? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Butler is. I think that that might be more exciting for people like me, right? The storylines of uh, of Micah playing against or coaching against the school that he spent time at under Brad Stevens, but right. uh, that's exciting to me. But I think Butler should be better this year. Thad Mata being the head coach now yeah. uh, should give them a little bit of a boost. Um, like you said, Charleston is going to be a strong field and is going to to give us more data points. But I I don't know if it will if it will tell us as much as we want to know about the team heading into Big Ten play, mm-hmm. but I think it will tell us enough to to sort of see where they need to improve, right? Like that, that early part of the schedule is a good time to find out what the team is and how it can improve and kind of what it needs to lean into and become sort of its MO, right? Last year, we saw that, that they needed to slow the pace down. They needed to be a half-court offense, and they needed to grind you out defensively. And we learned that based on them sort of – there were a couple of up-tempo games early on that didn't go well, right? And you, you found out pretty quickly that they needed to slow the pace down to be successful. So I think it may not tell us how good they are, but it may tell us what they are. And I think that can be just as valuable, you know, uh, in, in determining sort of what they can be next year. Yeah, Eric Hunter's going to transfer from Purdue to Butler. Manny Bates has transferred from NC State to Butler. Uh, Clemson's got a couple of kids that are, you know, Clemson's, you know, they've actually had a couple of kids transfer out that they wanted to keep. Uh, so that'll be interesting. Uh, they've never played at, at Little John either. Because the one time they played down there, they played Little John was being renovated, and they had to play in the Anderson, South Carolina. So, yep. you know, I was a witness. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a witness to a lot, John. <laughs> Always a pleasure, John. Thank you so much for your time. appreciate it. look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Thanks for having me on, Steve. See you tomorrow.